You're listening to Resurrection Life with Pastor Nathan Trice. Welcome back, my Resurrection family and all our friends. Christ is risen. Some of you, if you have been listening thus far in this podcast series on Christian parenting, may be wondering by now, when will we be getting down to the practical stuff, the parenting tips and tricks of the trade, so to speak? I've got a two-year-old, and she won't come when I call her. Or I've got a 10-year-old who's starting to talk back to his mother in some new ways. What do I do? Well, my friends, I'm going to ask for your patience a little longer. The groundwork that I am attempting to lay at the outset of the series is actually some of the most important things I have to say about parenting. And I want to just point out that good parenting in the long haul is not found uh, by means of tips and pointers, however wise and helpful they may be. Rather, good parenting flows from a biblical perspective and then uh, from priorities of the heart, perspectives and priorities. And these are true of people, uh, particularly of moms and dads. So that's what I'm trying to do in these opening podcasts. I'm trying to, uh, with the help and by the means of the Word of God, uh, shape your perspectives on parenting and your priorities as parents. And we've got some more things to consider along those lines. Today, I want to take up the subject of how we think of our children. Our perspective on our children, after all, informs everything we do for them as parents. Indeed, it uh, conditions the whole culture of our homes. So today, I want to urge a perspective on kids that is mindful of three realities, three words, glory, sin, and then God's love. Okay, that's four words. (laughs) So uh, that's what's ahead if you choose to listen on. So folks, the first part of a biblical perspective on our kids is this. It is seeing all that is glorious about your children and being in awe of it. Now here I want to pull with the heartstrings of the average parent. And I want to say this. There is a reason why you are so easily enamored by your own kids, uh, why they are marvelous in your eyes. Uh, Most parents are, of course, prone to be smitten by their own offspring. We all know this, don't we? In our own eyes, our babies are beautiful, never mind what they are in other people's eyes. Uh, Our toddlers in our own eyes are so developmentally advanced for their age. Our school-age kids are all above average, as Garrison Keeler used to say, the kids at Lake Wobegon. Our teenagers, well, they're beautiful, they're handsome, all in our eyes. And yes, this can indeed become something a little unwholesome, Uh, In parents, when it leads to blind partiality, that's not a friend to our parenting. More on that in a moment. But I want to say this now. Parents are also blind if they don't see something utterly marvelous in their kids. And it's for this reason. Uh, The scriptures teach us that God's invention of the human is his most glorious masterpiece. God made man male and female, 
after his image, Genesis 1 tells us. And that means that there is nothing on this earth more glorious than a man or a woman in the making. Now notice, uh, we parents have a front row seat to the making of this masterpiece. We get to watch our children acquire over time those aspects of ripening humanity that is so godlike. Um, their intelligence, we get to see this coming into shape uh, under our care. We get to watch them figure things out, uh, as we'd say, put two and two together in their minds. Uh, Their personalities, something that we are fascinated by. And uh, you'll remember, many of you parents, the first time you realized that your son, your daughter was being clever, a sense of humor was emerging. Their problem-solving abilities, their a capacity to organize, to bring order out of chaos, to beautify things, just to create things, all the way up to the point at which they are blossoming in their femininity, or you might say bulking up in their masculinity. All of these things that we're watching as we parent our children, uh, we're watching the likeness of God uh, take more and more shape in them. Now, of course, Adam was created by God with all of this all at once. (laughs) Adam was never a child. Uh, But it was clearly God's intention for Adam's descendants to grow into the fullness of the image of God. Uh, Let me be clear, the zygote in the womb is an image bearer of God. But the fullness of the glory of that image of God, well, that comes as mature manhood and womanhood is attained by our children. And this is my simple point. Parents, that's what you're seeing. That's what you're taking part in. And that is rightly awesome to you. I'll just say to young parents, my friends who are just beginning their parenting, uh, guys, this only gets better and better. Uh, The sense of awe that you will feel when your young men come striding into the room or when your young women come gliding into the room. Uh, And all the more, unspeakably more, if by God's grace there is a work of the Spirit in their hearts and lives and you see his image in them, not merely by nature, but also by grace, uh, wisdom, spiritual insight, love and compassion for others, zeal for the truth, zeal for God's honor. These are the things that Christian parents most uh, rejoice in and marvel at, and they're signs of God's gracious restoring of his image um, in our children. He does that by conforming our children, like us, uh, to the image of his Son. So my fellow parents, and really all Christians, who are part of this broader parenting enterprise uh, that we as covenant communities uh, take up, it is good and it is right to think very, very highly of our children. And I'm saying to you, we as Christians have solid reasons to do so. Psalm 8, beginning at verse 3, 
When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You should see when you uh, see your children, you should see glory. Folks, it's part of a healthy home for children to know that their parents think highly of them. In other words, that their growing God-likeness is recognized by their parents, it's celebrated by their parents, that their parents are, if you will, their biggest fans in all that's good and all that's noble. I assume that this comes rather easily for most of the listeners of a podcast like this one, but you know that it can be threatened. In some homes, uh, this perspective on children can be utterly lost altogether. What kind of blindness in a mother or a father is there who can never see anything noble or excellent in their children, who are constantly instead belittling or insulting their children? What a miserable upbringing that makes for. And how frequently self-fulfilling that kind of parenting can be. Uh, Children have a tendency to live down, so to speak, to the low opinion that their parents have of them. So I'm emphasizing this first point, my brothers and sisters and fellow parents in particular. One of the things most nourishing to your children uh, is the praise and high esteem of their parents. Not flattery, uh, not speaking something other than the truth, but well-placed recognition of their gifts, their endowments, and by God's grace, their faithfulness in using them, gifts and endowments for the Lord Jesus. Folks, this is actually a perspective we should have of every one of our fellow humans in varying degrees. There's something glorious about each one of them that we meet inasmuch as they're made in the image of a glorious God. Surely this should be fundamental then to how we view our own children. So that's first in our thinking about how to think about our kids, seeing all that is glorious about your children and being in awe at it. The second thing, which is a part of a biblical perspective on children, is this, seeing all that is sinful in your children and being concerned about that, deeply concerned, in fact. Now, I may be pulling against those same parental heartstrings, as it were, because I'm going to be pointing out things about your kids that typically parents have a harder time thinking about or even seeing. And folks, I have to do this, of course, because the image of God in mankind is something that's been deeply marred by sin. The scriptures teach that our children are conceived and born with a sinful nature, which what we mean by that is they have a natural tendency uh, from the very beginning to be in rebellion against God and a natural tendency to make themselves their own gods, to be seeking after their own self-interest only. That sin nature I want to point out here, 
apart from God's grace, only grows. It only takes more sinister forms and dimensions as our children grow. Uh, You can watch sin mature in a child, just like you can see other good things mature in a child. You know what Psalm 51 is? Psalm 51 is King David's agonizing lament over his sin, sin with Bathsheba, with or against Bathsheba's husband, and, and it went further than that even. And you remember that point in that uh, song of lament, that song of contrition and repentance, where David speaks of how it all started. How did all this sin uh, that had come to such ruinous effects in his life as a mature man, how did it all get started? He says, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. David is speaking of this reality uh, of our inheriting uh, from our parents all the way back to our first parent, Adam, uh, a sin nature, a sin, um, a nature that is bent, uh, inclined towards sin. And folks, that's the counterbalance, isn't it? to the parental wonder that I was just speaking of. That parental wonder, for all that makes parenting so uh, delightful to us, is counterbalanced, uh, rightly so, by uh, really horror uh, as we realize just how sinful little Johnny or little Susie can be and and actually is. Uh, Parents, you, uh, I I am sure, I've had the experience multiple times of of seeing in the face of your child um, written as a, almost as if in ink uh, selfishness, for example, or malice even against another toddler, uh, rage against authority. Um, if they have a little bit of sophistication. Um, Even you've seen what chills my blood perhaps as much as anything else, uh, that willingness to practice deception, even on their parents. So developing alongside of all those other wonderful godlike things in your children is this uh, damnable reality of sin, more and more mature expressions of rebellion against God. Now, I seriously doubt that anyone listening to a podcast like this has any real theological problems with what I'm saying. I imagine every Christian parent listening would say something like, oh, oh, yeah, I know my kids are sinners. Believe you me. But folks, what I emphasize now is that it is our job as parents not just to see our children as somehow generically sinners, But it's our job as parents to see in them those sin patterns that are personal and particular to each one of them. And I say that because a great deal of our parenting, especially our parenting in the early days or years of their lives, consists in lovingly confronting them uh, in those sins. And if you can't see their own specific sins, uh, you can't do your job as parents. Now, why wouldn't we parents see sin in our children? Why wouldn't we see it clearly? Well, several reasons. 
I spoke a little bit earlier about a certain kind of bias that can, in fact, become blinding. The kind of classic expression of this on the mouth of a parent is, my Johnny would never, never do such a thing as that. And um, very frequently, that's uh, the testimony of a parent who is absolutely blinded uh, to Johnny's real ability to do exactly that. Folks, don't ever let your high view of your children that I was just speaking about rule out the possibility of their being capable of very serious sin. Not only are they capable of it, you are capable of it. This is something we should have our eyes wide open to. We as parents sometimes don't see sin in our children or specific sins in our children just because we're not very thoughtful or uh, very intentional in our parenting. A lot of parenting is done in a reactive mode. I talked uh, last time about parenting conferences and uh, those as um, conversations that are intentional between husband and wife about their children, about how to uh, proactively deal with issues in their children's lives and uh, and parent them effectively. So uh, that needs to look in part uh, like mom and dad discussing what are the sins, the specific patterns of sin that we see in each of our children. Folks, sometimes our inability to see sin in our children, uh, at least to see it clearly, uh, just comes from our own inattention to sin in our own lives. I have to say this. uh, If we are not uh, diligent and vigilant and watchful of our own hearts, keeping our own hearts, as the wise men said, with all diligence, uh, we're not going to be effective in doing the same for our children I think a lot of parents can't see sin, at least clearly in their children, because they can't see sin clearly in themselves. And this thing theologians call the mortification of sin, uh, taken from the language that Paul uses in more than one place, like Colossians 3, put to death, that's where mortify comes from, put to death what is earthly in you. This a discipline in our growth in godliness of identifying our sin and prayerfully in dependence on God's grace, putting it to death in our own hearts, that's the prerequisite uh, to our being able to do it effectively uh, in our parenting with our children. So uh, there are several reasons why parents may not see sin in their children, at least see it clearly. I've yet to encounter a Christian parent who denies the sinfulness of their kids. I've yet to find such a parent, but I can say it has been one of my greatest concerns about Christian parents over the years that they're simply not very insightful about how sin is being manifested in their children. Uh, They're enamored, perhaps, by how cute their toddler is. They're not seeing how sinful their toddler is. They're quite taken with how beautiful their teenage daughter is, but they're not insightful about the temptations and the sin that their daughter is showing susceptibility to. And sometimes they are failing to see what even those around them can see to be the besetting sins of their kids. So, folks, I said a moment ago, 
On the one hand, it's part of a healthy home life for children to know that their parents think highly of them. Now, I need to say that it's just as vital a part of healthy home life for children to know that their parents have a bead on their sin. That's a different kind of study that we as parents need to force ourselves to make of our children. It's not the study of an admirer of a piece of art. It's the study that a doctor makes of the progress of a disease in a human body. And a study of our children's, well, shall I call it their sin lives, Uh, has the same purpose as that doctor studying that disease because God has ordained that parents be our children's number one healing influence uh, in their lives. So parents, you're your kids' biggest fans, but you should also be their most relentlessly loving, always edifying critics as well the ones in their life who have the most honest assessment of their spiritual faults and failings uh, as you seek to ready them to have a right self-understanding for the rest of their days and a, a right uh, or a, a well-formed ability uh, to put to death their own sinful deeds and desires. Can I just add at this point, uh, we all as parents have blindnesses. To, against our, our greatest efforts, we have blindnesses, blind spots, I guess I should say, as we see our own children. Uh, whatever the case may be, we're not uh, omniscient. We have blind spots. And so I would plead with my fellow parents, uh, one of God's provisions for this is other brothers and sisters, other Christians uh, who are in his providence placed near you uh, and able to help you in this. When our kids were uh, much younger, uh, we would, uh, from time to time, drop them for overnights uh, with their grandparents. Uh, And when those occasions came and they had a long weekend, for example, with my parents or Ashley's parents, uh, very frequently uh, after we collected our kids and were Uh, chatting, we would ask the question, so, Mom, uh, what do I need to know? Uh, What are you seeing? More uh, specifically, what are we missing? And that was of such value. I've already spoken of uh, my parents and Ashley's parents as as very wise parents. So helpful. And that can be done. That can be done for parents who are willing to hear the answer, who are willing to be humble about their own children, that can be done with tremendous blessing within our congregations, within our covenant communities, as you um, are uh, undertaking the work of parenting uh, in fellowship with older, ideally, uh, wiser parents who can also give you feedback on what you might be missing. So, first part of the perspective uh, on our children, seeing all that is glorious about them and being in awe of it. Second part is seeing all that is sinful in our children, being deeply concerned about that. And the third part of a biblical perspective of our kids is this. It's recognizing your children as those who are loved by God and taking great comfort in this. So parents, as you spend day after day uh, in the heavy lifting of parenting, 
about walking with your children in all their glory and all their ingloriousness, uh, this is to be your constant reassurance. Those children of yours are loved by God. Indeed, your whole ministry to them as parents is his foremost expression of love for them uh, in uh, their lives. Now, at one level, uh, what I'm saying here would likely also get very little dissent among uh, my listeners. Uh, Christians in general believe that uh, God loves uh, mankind, and most have some sense that there's a particular love that God has for children. That's what we are told in our uh, hymn, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. So I suspect most Christian parents uh, do have at least some sense that God loves their children, at least in the same sense that he loves everyone's children. But uh, my congregation at Resurrection Presbyterian Church will know this. I have more than this in mind. I have a, in mind a kind of love that is not generic to all people or all children, but is special to our children as Christians. Indeed, I'm speaking of a love that God has for our children because they are the children of those he loves. I'm talking about a love for our children that God has that actually takes the form of a love relationship that those children are actually born into. Now, you will know by now, many of you, I'm speaking of covenant love, the covenant love that God has for believers and their children. Now, this covenant love I'm talking about happens to be one of the major theological distinctives of the church tradition that resurrection is part of, the Reformed and Presbyterian tradition. And I am going to be unpacking uh, some of that covenant theology, as we call it, for parenting uh, in next week's uh, episode. After all, this is where covenant theology uh, rubber meets the road. It's in our parenting. Because, folks, my fellow uh, members of Resurrection who share these uh, wonderful uh, convictions with me, if covenant theology doesn't impact the way we view our kids— the way we treat our kids, what is the good of it? It's not worth anything. So next week, I'm going to give a crash course in covenant theology. I'll provide in a rather summary way, biblical and exegetical grounds for saying God loves our children in a special way. But for my purposes, the last few minutes of this podcast, I'm assuming that all, I'm rather assuming all that good theology Uh, that's part of our tradition at Resurrection. And I'm simply pointing out that God's love for your children, brothers and sisters, is foundational to your view of them. Uh, It's not just that you love them, but the Lord loves them. And that should be very encouraging to you, and it's also to be formative for your parenting. And I'll just mention a a couple of ways that your conviction of the love of of God for your children should form your parenting. Number one, bearing in mind the love of God for your children will aid you 
in your love for them. So parenting is this, isn't it? It's one big epic endeavor of love. Love is what fuels our parental endeavors. God calls us to do all that we do in love for our children. I hope I don't need proof texts to make that point. He does not call us to do anything else, sorry, anything less than he does. He loves our children, in fact, more than we do. The love of God for your children then is in response to those things that are lovable. We can say that. Uh, There is uh, in God's heart something like what is in your heart when he sees things which are of delight to him in your children. Theologians call this the God's love of complacency. Uh, somewhat obscure use of that word in our modern ears, but God's love of complacency is his love for that which is itself lovable. And we have that experience as parents. God has that kind of love towards uh, our children, but the most foundational kind of love that God has for us and for our children is his love for us despite all that is utterly unlovable about us. Theologians call this God's love of benevolence. And it's the love of God towards us as he sees us in all of our sin and all of our our worthiness of his judgment. Yet, he loves us. And um, my fellow moms and dads, parents, my fellow parents, there are going to be seasons. Uh, It's okay for us to acknowledge this. Perhaps with certain children, or at least in certain seasons, where you're going to struggle to love your children. And it is of great help in those times to call to mind the love of God for you, despite all that's unlovely about you, and the love of God for those children as well, that you are struggling to love. We are called as parents to love like God loves. And that includes loving those who are in themselves, particularly perhaps in that moment, utterly unlovable. So, uh, bearing in mind the love of God for our children will aid you in your love for them, and bearing in mind the love of God for your children will keep your focus on our ultimate aim as parents. And that is to convey to your children the love of God and to call them to respond to it. And that response looks like trusting him and obeying him, faith and obedience. I'll just point out at this moment that uh, whereas we've spoken already of children as God's gift to us, I think there's a more fundamental sense in which parents, you are the greater gift to your children. You're a gift to your children more than they are a gift to you because you're the ones, as it were, deputized by God uh, to convey to these uh, young people uh, his own love. Uh, You're God's gift to your children uh, as you win them and woo them to him. He intends to make you uh, ambassadors you might say, of his love for them. Uh, you're, <laughs> you're the matchmaker uh, in a certain sense, going from the great lover 
uh, to the ones beloved uh, and speaking of that love to them. Uh, so that's our aim as parents of all the other good and worthy things that we take up and we aspire to be and to do uh, as parents. That's our fundamental aim, uh, to convey to our children the love of God and to call our children to respond to God's love with faith and obedience. So as you uh, think of your children, as you see your children, this is the third part of that biblical perspective. In it all, uh, know them to be beloved of God. I'm saving for next time the deeper theology of children born into covenant love relationships. For now, I'm simply saying, don't think of your kids apart from the love of God for them. At the end of the day, that's really what is most fundamentally true of them. They're beloved of God. And by the way, unless I haven't, in case I haven't been that clear yet, make sure your children know this from you, from your lips, that they are loved by God. Another children's hymn, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And children growing up uh, in the homes of faithful Christian parents could add to that, uh, for the Bible and my parents tell me so. <laughs> so, friends, uh, these are the three fundamental realities that should shape your view of your children. Perhaps you've noticed, some of you at least, a pattern to them. The first perspective draws from the reality of creation, something glorious that God made human beings to be. The second perspective draws from the reality of the fall, the tragedy, uh, and the danger of sin. And the third perspective draws from God's plan of redemption uh, for us and our children. So ask yourself, which of these three parts of a biblical view of kids do you need a more a generous portion of as you look at and as you think about uh, those young people God has placed in your care. Well, friends, so glad uh, once again to have you join me in meditations uh, on these worthy topics. I will let you go for now to other worthy endeavors for our King and the Lord keep you in his grace. You've been listening to Resurrection Life with Pastor Nathan Trice, a ministry of Resurrection Presbyterian Church in Matthews, North Carolina. If you've been blessed by today's podcast, consider sharing it with someone you know. And thank you for joining us.